Well, good morning and thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to our, our broadcast. I know we're doing things differently right now, but man, we're so excited that we still have an opportunity to worship together, to, to get into the Word together. So um, we're going to just take some time to sing a couple songs and then Brett will come and bring the Word for us. So we're going to sing Never Once. Um, so if you know the words at home, you're more than welcome to sing along, uh, worship with your families, um, but we'll get right into it.
Well, good morning, FBN. Uh, welcome to our live stream this morning. We, uh, we're thankful that you've gathered as families to join us. If you're uh, joining us from, if maybe FBN isn't your normal church and you're just joining us online today, we're, we're grateful uh, that you're here, that you're a part of this. Uh, hopefully you have your Bibles. Uh, go ahead and grab those now because when we, uh, when we do this, we open God's Word. And so get those, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we'll be uh, right there at the start of chapter 11 here in a moment. I'm just going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer as we uh, get this going today. Father, we are grateful uh, for the gift of technology this morning, God. We're grateful that um, in this season of quarantine, in this season of shutdown, that we can still uh, meet together as your church, that we can still gather around your word, that we can still sit under it, and we know, um, God, that your word is, is powerful in any format. Uh, it is capable in, in any means of delivery, and so we pray that you uh, would speak now to us uh, right, right in the midst of the situation we find ourselves in, that you would be uh, evident, that you would be glorified, uh, that you'd be powerful, um, and that you'd just show yourself to us this morning. Uh, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I last addressed you as a church three weeks ago. I stood on the stage at the end of our March 1st sermon, and I was preparing to leave that week to go to Germany. And I remember saying to all of you how confident I was, how free I was to go, because I could trust the team that we had in place, and I could trust FBN's care to them. And now look at the place. Three weeks later, and there's literally nobody here, Right? No, I'm joking. I just wanted to say, I want to start before we get into this, that I'm so thankful uh, for the leadership of our elders over the last couple of weeks through these really just brand new times, um, for, for their just steady hand, for their wisdom. I'm thankful for uh, the leadership of Brandon and Adam and all the extra work they've done and all the communication they've done. It's, it's, it's been great as, as your pastor has been overseas and in quarantine to see these guys just lead out, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for all of them. And listen, this is weird. Uh, I'm talking like I'm talking to you, but I'm just looking at this little camera. Uh, I'm here, and you're where you are. And we're glad that you joined us. Thank you. But um, this is different. But I, I want you to know that you can feel confident in your leadership. Um, and, and, to, and to help you with that, I want you to know that I, I ordered a brand new book on Amazon this week. And, and the title is this. It's How to Lead Your Church Through Global Pandemic that shuts down all churches, restaurants, schools, gatherings, and causes financial meltdown, a manual for church leaders. Guess what? I didn't actually order that book. You know why? Because no one has ever written that book. There is no book for this. There's no playbook. There's no manual. We are in brand new territory. Last Thursday morning at 2 a.m., I was awoken by my phone ringing. You never want to be woken up by your phone ringing at 2 a.m., and it was actually Adam uh, from the States calling me, that, telling me there's going to be a travel ban put in place on Friday at midnight. And then after we got off the phone, it just kept ringing as more and more and more of you people uh, were calling to let me know. And I can tell you, there's, there was no more sleep that night. And it began the longest, most chaotic, most surreal travel experience of my life. And I learned from it that you never want to be where news cameras are. You ever thought about this? Because wherever news cameras are, there's something happening and it's not good. And everywhere I went for the next 24 to 48 hours, there were news cameras there. But by God's grace, I made it home. But man, I got to tell you, when I got home, I hardly didn't recognize it. Everything was changing. And I'm not talking by the day, by the week, I mean by the hour. And today, like we, we gather like this. Because today we awake to a reality that is brand new. We wake to a future that is uncertain. We awake to a season of unsettledness that no one actually knows when it's going to end. We aren't told when things are going to be normal again. And so I want to start right there today. Let's not, let's not downplay this. Let's not sugarcoat this. I want us to think about instead how we, as followers of Jesus Christ, should react how we should speak, how we should live, how we should pray, how we should just be in times like this. And I believe that God has a starting place for us as a church today. It's, it's nothing new. It's nothing profound. It's nothing groundbreaking. And though these are 
unprecedented times, right? Profundity remains overrated. And so I have a humble suggestion for you today that I think will steady us, I think will ground us, I think will actually carry us. And it's simply this, church. Let's just believe God. Believe God. Now, no, I didn't say believe in God, though that's a good thing. It's a different thing. We'll, we'll address that. I simply just said this. Believe God. Because when everything is uncertain, we have a certain God to turn to. And there's a lot of uh, misinformation that's being shared online right now. Well, let's be honest. There's a lot of misinformation being shared online all the time. And I know that Abraham Lincoln once popularly said, if it's on the internet, it's true. Okay, but I'm, I'm going to just differentiate from President Lincoln here for a bit and just tell you that we actually have a resource that is unchanging. Unchanging, we have a resource that's unshaken. We have a resource that holds true through all times. And so as you're sitting with your families, grab your sword right now and look at Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 11 and then verse 6. Hebrews 11 one says this, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. The proof of what is not seen. For it is by, for it, our ancestors won God's approval. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Then in verse 6, Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter that's all about faith. And, and I'm going to give you the most simplest definition I can give you on faith today. And, it, and it's, it's just this. Faith is believing God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so, so chapter 11 breaks it down for us here a little bit. That, that, that's, that simple definition of faith is believing God. We, we get a little more of a breakdown in chapter 11. We're told that faith doesn't require sight. We trust before seeing because we trust that God will bring it to be. Faith also doesn't require the immediate, right? We believe before something comes to be because God says it will come to be. Faith doesn't require omnipresence. We believe what God tells us about something, even whether we were there or not, because he's the one who tells us. And so again and again and again, faith is believing God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without it, we cannot come to him. We cannot draw close to him. Faith, we're told in verse 2, is, is how the Old Testament saints approached God and want approval from him. Faith is how we, in the age of grace, still approach God. For you are saved by grace through faith. And so I come to you today convinced that the answer to our current reality, that, that the remedy to our fear, that the balm for our confusion is simply believing God. Now, I'm actually excited to preach on this today because a lot of weeks uh, you might have a topic that doesn't speak into everyone's exact life situation. But listen to me, everyone has been impacted by COVID-19. And to see kind of the sweeping bands, to see the shutting downs of schools and businesses, to see uh, the confidence in our economy crumble, to see the medical community just sort of preparing itself for an onslaught. I know you've had the choice this week. I know that you've had the choice of whether to give in to fear or give yourself to faith. And my question for you is this, which one did you surrender the most to this week? What was the fruit in your life recently? If you, if you can think back through recent days, if, if the fruit of your life has been worry and fear and trepidation or stress and anger, right, that you're giving in to fear subtly or are or, 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 or in control, right? If you've been uh, cavalier or selfish or apathetic or dismissive of this, really, that's, that's, a, that's a response of, of fear. You don't want this to be true. If you've been susceptible to misinformation or panic or chaos or hoarding, what you've been listening to is fear. But if there's been a quiet steadiness about you, a sort of humble resolve and a willingness to be used by God, then it's faith that has guided you. And if that's you, praise God that that's been you for now at least. We know this requires a daily fight to keep it that way. 
The reason that I want us as a church, it's starting with me, to believe God is that faith is greater than fear every time. The first thing I'll tell you is this, that faith simply does not require us downplaying our current realities. We live in a broken world, right? And it's that way because of sin. We all have bodies that are broken, that are susceptible to viruses. And, and, And every day, even whether we're sick or not, our bodies wear out a little bit more and more and more. And by the way, this is not something the Bible has ever hidden from. It's prepared us for it. Romans chapter 8, verse 22 says this, that we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now, right? So we're being told there that, that all of creation is, is under the curse of sin. It's groaning, waiting to be renewed. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus is speaking, and, he, and he's talking about the things that must happen before uh, the end times. And he says there will be violent earthquakes. By the way, it happened this week in Utah. There will be famines and plagues in various places. Yep, happened this week. And there'll be terrifying sights and great signs from heaven. Man, this is the Bible saying this is coming. It's coming. The reality is that this world has always been broken. Our bodies have always been susceptible to disease. There is a reason that I have to pass Roselawn Cemetery just to get to FBN from my house. There's a reason hospitals keep adding floors and parking garages for heaven's sake. This is hasn't changed. This isn't new. And yet we've always built into our lives this uh, propensity to distract us from this truth. We live in the state of Indiana. One of the most famous things about the state of Indiana is the Indianapolis 500. It's been ran over a hundred times, every, uh, over a hundred years in a row. And in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is right there at the heart of Indiana, in, in Speedway, Indiana. Did you know that at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, 73 people have been killed through the running of races there? But if you talk to IMS, no one's been killed there. Because they have a policy that w- w- whether a patient has a chance at all, whether a person has a chance at all, you will take the person off-site to Methodist Hospital and then pronounce them dead. And so there have been zero official deaths at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Whenever there's a crash, there are crews that go out at night to prepare the fence, to repaint it, to, to, to make it look on the track as if nothing happened at all. There's no memorial on site at IMS to any of the 73 people who have perished there. Because they don't want the drivers thinking about it when they're driving, and they don't want the fans thinking about it when they're watching. And we do the exact same. I mean, think about what our lives looked like just over a week ago. We throw ourselves into sports. We binge Netflix. We scroll through endless feeds of social media. We burn one day after another, almost never considering the possibility that something could happen to us. I mean, give coronavirus this much credit. It has at least forced us to deal with this reality that we are broken and that our lives on this earth have an expiration date. In addition to posture, as if all this is nothing, Right, if this is just one giant overreaction, it might make you feel better. It's just not very helpful. There are large sections of our population for whom this is a very real threat. And if our hospitals get overran, there's a, that's a huge problem for anyone who has a non-corona emergency. Not to mention the economic ramifications are going to be felt by this. Many have lost jobs already. Many more layoffs are coming. The the giving up of of graduations and trips and weddings and and seniors' years of sports, all and more, while lesser, are still very felt. There are people who can't have funerals right now. They can't get closure to grieve. So please, man, I'm asking you, if you you belong to FPN, don't, don't... Post or quote verses about fear or how we've been given a spirit of power and not fear and then use them as an excuse or as a launching pad to criticize decisions that have been made or give license to recklessness. We are in unprecedented days. Who knows what this week will bring? We don't need to be controlled by fear, church. We don't. But we do no one any favors by downplaying our current reality. We don't need to be controlled by fear, but bravado and machismo and stupidity are terrible substitutes. We don't do anyone any favors when we downplay this, especially not God. He doesn't need this sugar-coated for him. 
He doesn't need this, this, this act. We doesn't need us to act like this isn't a big deal. Because real faith understands that real truth is unchanging. All real truth. Hear me when I say this. Things that are really, really true. Those things are unchanging. Because all the greatest truths that exist are eternal. And those truths do not change with circumstances or seasons. So I want to walk you through just a few of them and see them in God's Word this morning. Number one, the truth that God is sovereign. This is an unchanging truth. Nothing about this has changed. First Chronicles 29, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty for everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. Nothing about that's different. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. That is just as true today as it was a couple weeks ago. Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. Remember what happened long ago. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and no one is like me. And listen, I love this, when he calls a shot. I declare the end from the beginning. Nothing surprises God. He knew it was going to happen the end all the way from the beginning. And from long ago, what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place and I will do all my will. God has not left his throne. In fact, Colossians 1 tells us about Jesus, that he is before all things and by him all things hold together. Our God is as sovereign today as he has ever been. None of that has changed. And in his sovereignty, he is in control. I love these two verses. Proverbs 19:21. Many plans are in a person's heart. But the Lord's decree will prevail. How many human plans have been changed in the last 14 days? We can make as many plans as we want, but the Lord's decree will prevail. And then this, this should bring us comfort. That our God is in heaven and He does whatever He pleases. The picture that is painted for us here in God's sovereignty, in God's control, is that the, the, the term the Bible uses is that He's seated on His throne. He's not pacing nervously around heaven right now. He wasn't caught off guard. He's like, where did this coronavirus come from? No, he's in control. Nothing about that has changed. This is another eternal truth. God has an answer for this. Romans chapter 8, listen to the language. We know that all things, all things, including this, work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. That's not different. That hasn't changed. He is at work in this, and He will bring good out of this for us. John 16, Jesus speaking, He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Man, are you a person of peace right now? You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. None of that has changed. Next truth, God will provide all of our needs. And there's so many people worried about where their next check is going to come from, what the next few months are going to look like. None of those things are things we need to worry about. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Don't worry, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And then listen to this comforting truth. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Man, you're not outside His gaze. You're not outside His control. He sees every need that you have. He sees every need that you will have. And listen to this promise. My God will supply all your needs. Not some of them. All your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He has got you. He's going to take care of you. And if it's your health He's worried about, even death itself, for the follower of Jesus, death itself cannot touch us. Jesus said to her, this is Martha, he's talking to Martha, I am the resurrection life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That is, that is such a groundbreaking truth. That here's, here's where the Apostle Paul takes in 1 Corinthians 15. That when this corruptible body, this, this body that's breaking down susceptible viruses, when it is clothed with incorruptibility, this mortal body is clothed with immortality. Man, what a day that's going to be. And the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up. I love that it's been swallowed whole by victory. And then listen, where death is your victory? 
Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the Christian being given permission to laugh in death's face because it has no say over us. I want you to look at this list again. God is sovereign. God is in control. God has an answer for even this. God will provide all of your needs and death itself cannot touch you. And I want you to grasp this morning that nothing in that list has changed. There's not been a single thing in recent days that has changed a bit of it. They're all just as true as they've always been. And how about you? You realize the most important parts of your identity are not different. If you're in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. You've been adopted into God's family. You have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been saved by His grace. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit until your day of redemption. Your eternity is secure in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And you've been sent on mission to live for the glory of Jesus. None of that's different. Nothing important has actually changed. And faith is simply believing God that all of that is still true. That as everything else changes, God's truths do not. So they'd say this, that faith recognizes that God is always up to more than we can grasp. If you're following along with us in our FBN yearly Bible reading plan, then you were in the book of Ruth this past week. And in the book of Ruth in chapter 1, we meet Naomi who, who has to leave Bethlehem because of a famine and she goes uh, to, to, the te- to the place of Moab. And while she's there, uh, Naomi's husband dies and then her two sons dies. A horrible place for a woman to be in that culture with no one to, no one to provide for. And at the end of chapter 1, Naomi is grieving and bitter and empty. And I want you to try to imagine this silly hypothetical of someone coming to Naomi at, at the end of Ruth chapter 1 and saying, listen, Naomi, I, I know this is, this is hard now, okay? But here's what you got to understand. There will, become, there will come from your extended family, a family redeemer who will uh, marry one of your daughter-in-laws. And, and through that, you will be given a grandson who will be the grandfather of the greatest king uh, the great-grandfather, the greatest king Israel had. So you actually know him. You will be the great-great-grandmother of the greatest king Israel had in David. And so from your line, from David's line, will come the Messiah. And from that line will come the king, Jesus, King Jesus, who will rule all the earth forever. And, and he will also redeem his people. And, and your story, this family redeemer of your story, will be told for all eternity to foreshadow the redemption that Jesus will provide. And your story will be told in God's word forever. And thousands of generations will get comfort from it. Naomi would look at you and be like, what are you talking about? There's no way she could even begin to wrap her mind around everything God was doing. But guess what? That's exactly what God was up to. And the reality is this. We never know what God is doing. And whenever we see Him work, every now and then He peels back the curtain lets us see Him work, you know what we're seeing? About one one thousandth of what He's up to. And so faith says, God, I believe that You are at work that you're going to do awesome things with this, that you're going to do awesome things through this, even when I don't see them. And here's what I'm going to tell you today as a church. God is at work in America right now. He's at work right now. What's he doing? I don't know. But I get the feeling at some point he's going to peel back the curtain enough for us to see about one one thousandth of it. So what should we do? And it's simple, we should, we should believe God. It's where we started, it's where we're going to end. We should believe God. First of all, for salvation, if, if you're joining us today and you're, you're not, uh, you don't normally come to FBN or you come and you, and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, then the first thing you need to believe God for is salvation. If you're on our website, firstbaptistnorth.com, there's a, there's a link on there for you to fill out an online guest card that even in this sort of state of quarantine that we're in, we would love to connect with you. We'd love to reach out to you, talk with you. But most importantly, what we want to do for you today and every day is point you to Jesus Christ. We, we find salvation when we believe God. What do we need to believe God? What He's told us. Because here's what God has told us. God has told us that each and every one of us are sinners. 
And so in our sinfulness, in our wickedness, in our evilness, we fall short of God's perfect standard. And so God tells us that the wages, the cost of our sin is death. And if you've looked around, coronavirus or not, the death rate for humanity is still right around 100%. And God tells us in his Bible that, that if, we, if, we, if our earthly life ends here, that we die without having the penalty for our sins somehow redeemed and accounted and paid for, then we will go to an eternity in, in absolute torment and suffering, separated from him forever in hell. But God also tells us in his words that he loves us. And he loves us so much that he does not want that to be our reality. And so he sent Jesus Christ to take on the form of a human being. God became man. And Jesus lived the sinless life that you and I have not and could not. And so when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he wasn't paying the wages for his own sin. He was paying the wages for my sin and your sin and the sin of any who will believe in him. And then he rose from the dead to offer us eternal life. And God says that if we give our lives to Jesus Christ, if we believe him, ask him to forgive our sins and give our lives to him, not only will our sins be forgiven, we'll be saved from the penalty of death and we'll be given eternal life in heaven with him. And our response to that should simply be to believe God. God, if that's what you've said, then I believe it to be true. If you say I'm a sinner, I believe I'm a sinner. If you say that Jesus died for me, I believe that Jesus died for me. If you say that I need to give my life to him, then I give my life to him. If you say I need to be rescued and saved by him, then please, Jesus, rescue and save me. I simply believe you. Man, if somehow this scare and this uncertain time led you to salvation, it would be the single greatest thing that has ever happened to you. We must believe God for salvation. Secondly, church, I'll tell you this. If you can worry, you can think. And I know that sounds like backwoodsy language, but I'm from Cloverdale, so get over it. Think about it. If you can worry, then you can think. Okay, and here's how, here's how Philippians 4 puts it. Don't, listen to this language, don't worry about anything. So anything, don't worry about anything at all. But in Everything, this is all-inclusive language, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now listen to verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Man, I can tell you right now, in a time like this, it is so easy to worry, right? There's a lot to worry about right now. But the good news is, that as easy it is to worry, it takes the same effort level to think on truth. And so when you find yourself getting anxious, when you find yourself chasing those rabbit trails of fear, here's what I want you to do is follow what we're told here. Number one, immediately when you think, when you're starting to get worried, take it to God in prayer. Pray about what you're worried about and just release it to Him. And then, man, recenter your mind on truth. Think about what's true. Think about what's honorable, just, pure, loving. Think about good things. And then believe God that those are still true. None of the biggest None of the most important truths have changed. God is still good. He is still in control. He still has you. He's still for you. He's still forgiven you. He still loves you. Death still has no say over you at all. And so every ounce of suffering that you endure, God will redeem. Every need that you have, He will provide for you. You are safe under the shadow of His wings, and you are safe within the realm of His care. He is sufficient for you. He's sufficient for your unemployment. He's sufficient for your children. He's sufficient for your elderly parents that you're worried about right now. He's sufficient for the immunocompromised among us. He is sufficient for that and more. No one who's hearing this is outside of his gaze. And no one has ever been outside of his love. And so how about you train your mind to think on those things? And if you find yourself in a place where you're struggling to believe Man, you at least believe enough to echo the father in Mark 9 who's standing before Jesus having his circumstances of his son being sick right in front of him said, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. 
If you can worry, you can think. If you can think, you can think on good things. We can believe God. The second thing I want us to do, church, is simply this, is to trust God. Trust first and foremost that He's better. If you read the story of the book of Exodus, and you read the story of the, of the ten plagues that come on Egypt, and if you, I don't know if, if you grew up in church and heard about it in Sunday school like I did or just read it recently in a reading plan, but have you ever wondered why those ten plagues? Like, they're weird, weren't they? Like, there were frogs and then locusts and water and the Nile was turned to blood. Like, it was just a weird time. And, and you ever wonder, like, what, why did God choose those exact ten things? Well, man, did you know that each one of those plagues directly took on a false god that the people, the nation of Egypt worshipped? And the Lord was revealing himself to them to be the God, the creator God Almighty, above every false God, and that he was, that he was uh, better, bigger, more powerful than all of them. And some of them didn't miss it. For when the people of Israel leave, there's a whole group of Egyptians who go with them. They're like, we've seen the Lord, and we know he's real. Now, I need to couch this really clearly. Okay? Do not misunderstand me. I have already stated that I don't know what God is up to. I never do. He's beyond me. And if he ever showed me what he was up to, again, it'd be one one thousandth of what he's doing. Okay? But it is fascinating to me that if you listed out the false gods most prevalent in our society, most prevalent in America, this COVID-19 thing is coming for every one of them. And we worship the God of security. We worship the God of freedom. We worship the God of money. We worship the God of sports. We worship the God of politics. One by one, each one of these is fallen by the wayside. We worship the God of health and comfort. They all are falling. And you know, all along, God has been telling us in His Word, I'm better than all of them. I'm the actual only thing that lasts. I'm the only thing that fulfills you. In John 10, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. God is giving us all a gracious gift right now to come face to face with reality that our false gods are not sufficient. And Lord, you really are better. I can tell you personally, and I have no joy in admitting this, but personally it's been revealed to me in recent days that one of the biggest remaining idols in my life is convenience. I don't need safety. I don't need comfort just so long as my danger and uncomfort is convenient. Isn't that pathetic? And this sin in my life, this idol in my life, it's become real and I've, I've needed to just lay it bare before Him. And I'm wondering what it is that you need to learn, what it is that you need to relearn, what it is that you need to discover that God is better than What is it that's being taken from you or needs to be taken from you so that you can see the sufficiency of Jesus? So we can trust He is better. He's better. Second thing we can trust is that He's capable. In the original plan, I wasn't supposed to be home yet. I'm, I'm still, in the original plan, I was supposed to be in Germany today speaking to a, a full Berlin church of a bunch of healthy people riding public transport and all that stuff. And when I left, man, I, I knew coronavirus was a thing, not to this level at all. Nobody knew it was to this level. But I wasn't worried about that. What I was worried about is I'd never left my family of six for such a long time. And so I, was, I started months out praying for them specifically for that time. But I got to a point in my prayers right before I left where simply I just was at this point before God. I was like, God, I give my family to you. I just trust you with them. And then last week, staying in an airport in Paris and being told, we have no flights home for you. There's nothing left. There's no way for you to get home from here. I once again had to say, God, I trust my family with you. I I just give them to you. And then I got home. And my prayers since then have been, God, these girls are crazy. I don't know what I'm doing as a parent, right? 
and, and it's just what is happening, right? And, and since then, like, um, in fact, just a couple of nights ago, I was putting the twins down and I sensed him saying to me, you still trust me with them? And then I got this, this gift. I don't know how many of you are in, a, are in a stage of life where you're, you're putting a little one in a crib or if you can remember it or you can at least think about it. But the actual motion, this motion right here, laying something down. And, I, and it was in that moment where God was like, do you still trust me? And I had Rhea in my arms and I was like, God, yes, I do. I give this child to you. I give my family to you. I give my life to you. And I want you to know, like, it, it's as powerful as that moment was, that, that our, our home is not like super spiritual all the time. Because right when I did that and I laid her down, she farted really loud. Okay? So life is still going on. But that was such a good moment for me to say, yes, God, I still trust you. I lay all this before you. So I'm wondering, what is it that that you need to lay before him today? Is it your career? Is it your job? Is it your finances? Is the idea that you, you don't know where the next check is coming from? Is it a loved one? Is it trying to manage just the weight of, of child care with schools out until at least May 1st? Is, is it just trying to wrap your head around a new reality? Is it your future? Is it maybe even your eternity? I'm wondering what we can in our living rooms today just, just lay down before and say, God, this is yours. I, I trust that you're capable of this. What I can tell you is that the next several weeks will look different than anything we've ever experienced. And so FBN Church, I got, I got a question for you today. Will we trust God? Will we trust that He's better than everything that is getting taken from us? And will we trust that He's capable with everything that we give to him. There, there will be a time moving forward to, to speak into how to serve and how to give and how to maximize and utilize this unique time for God's glory. Today as a church, I just want us to ask this question. Will we believe God? Will we believe what his word tells us? Will we believe that he has not changed? Will we believe that he's seated on the throne? Will we believe that, that none of this has caught him off guard? Will we believe that he's at work Will we believe that He's for us? Will we believe that He's making a way for us when we can see no other way? Will we believe that He's better than anything else and that He's capable of anything that we trust to Him? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to His understanding. He gives strength to the faint, and he, gives, and he strengthens the powerless. Youth may become faint and weary. Young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Well, that define us as a church in this unique time. Let's pray. God, I thank you that in a world that is changing by the outward, everything that is important has not changed at all. I thank you that you are you, that you are sovereign, that you are in control, that you are seated on your throne, that that you have an answer for this, that you will provide all our needs, that death itself cannot touch us. God, that you never change, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that your gospel is the power of salvation yesterday, today, and forever. So Lord, I pray for those of us who are just racked in uncertainty and doubt, we don't know what the future looks like, that we would give ourselves to faith far more than we give ourselves to fear. That we would be a church that believes you and trusts you. And then, God, we pray for anybody who's, who's, who's uh, hopped on, who's listening to this today, who's never given their life to Jesus Christ, that right now they would believe you, 
They would say, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. Yes, I need forgiven. And yes, I believe that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. And so forgive me and take over my life. Do this uh, to your glory and for your sake and for your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, we love you, church. We'll talk to you soon. So in closing, this last one we're going to sing, The Man of Sorrows. Uh, so let's just worship together.